The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility. Responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 240. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton. Of Blue and Green Nation. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Jimmy, huge show on tap today. Lots to talk about with free agency and whatnot. So uh, before we dive in, I just want to mention everyone, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order of meat snacks, non-meat snacks, and such. Jimmy, how are you doing? I am hungover like a <laughs> mf'er. On this day after St. Patrick's Day, um, luckily the Eagles haven't really haven't done anything. <laughs> like they <laughs> they signed an edge rusher on day one of free agency. They re-signed uh, Howie Roseman to a contract extension. They haven't really lost anyone yet. Like Son Ridgeway, yeah, and uh, maybe Fletcher Cox. Uh, we'll get to that uh, momentarily. But I guess we'll start off with the signing that they did make, uh, which was of course Hassan Reddick on day one. He spoke with Eagles Media uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Friday morning, by the way. Uh, he spoke with Eagles Media on Thursday. Uh, I guess first of all, where should we go with uh, that? Like, where does where does he fit in with with the defense in uh, Jonathan Gannon's scheme? Yeah, so I think everyone's talking about okay, you know, is this guy Gennard Avery replacement? But like, you know, obviously a more souped up version of that as a Sam linebacker or pass rushing linebacker. Or are the Eagles just going to play him at defensive end and have him rush the passer? And to me, and I think most people would agree with this, is that when you have a guy who was 23 and a half sacks over the last two years and only four players have more sacks than him in the last two seasons, uh, you probably just let that guy rush the passer because he seems to be pretty good at it. And he's demonstrated as well that he's not good at the off-ball linebacker stuff, as evidenced by earlier in his career. Uh, with Arizona, where he was basically, he was like a bust, right? Like, people were like, this guy can't play. Like, he was doing nothing too great uh, with the Cardinals earlier on. Um, one thing I think is exciting about him, Jimmy, regardless of where he fits in, uh, is not only the sack production, but, like, these are high-quality sacks, I feel like, too. At least when you look in terms of his forced fumble numbers as well. Yeah. I believe he's yeah. eight over the past two years. And then even earlier on in his career, when he was kind of a bust with the Cardinals, I still think he had three in the first couple of years with them. So he has a knack for getting the ball out, and I think that's really valuable. Um, where do you see him fitting in? 
So he, yeah, he he attacks the uh, quarterback's uh, you know passing arm, and he's able to get the ball out. This for as you mentioned, the first three years of his career, uh, he had seven and a half sacks, so he's very unproductive. And then he had um, in his fourth year with the Cardinals, he had twelve and a half sacks. He was a free agent uh, last year, and he signed with the with the Panthers on I think it was like six million or something like that, like a, a huge bargain for them. Uh, I guess he, he was so cheap because maybe people felt that he was like a one-year wonder or something like that. Uh, I know that it, like five of his sacks during that uh, during that last Cardinal season that he had was against just a, a god-awful Giants offensive line. So like he had a lot of production in that one game. Yeah, I mean he just completely wrecked that game, and then the Panthers get him on uh, on on the on the one-year deal. Uh, he gets a big raise in uh, in, in his next contract here in Philly. It's, He's making fifteen million, so yeah, he's going to play a lot, and they're going to send him after the passer. Like they had twenty nine sacks last year as a team, which was second worst in the NFL. So that was a big deficiency of of the Eagles, uh, which we haven't really been used to. We're not used to seeing that from from the Eagles defense. Like they've always typically been able to get after the quarterback. They prioritize it so much. And, uh, you know, they just they were second worst in the NFL in terms of sacks last season. So he's a guy that I think will play that line, that Sam linebacker spot on uh, early downs. And then in obvious pass rushing situations, he's going to play defensive end. Like he's going to be on the edge, uh, pin, pin his ears back and go after the quarterback because you're not going to pay a guy 15 million a season to not do that. So like it's good. And, and when you look at the, the Eagles defensive line now, it looks, you know, it's it's starting to look a little bit more impressive when you figure, um, you know, you have Josh Sweat, you have Hassan Raddick, you have Brandon Grant coming back. Uh, to, to be determined what the defensive tackle rotation will look like if Fletcher Cox comes back or not. But you have Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams who showed something last season. If you have Cox back in the mix, then, you know, that's another still quality, in my opinion, player. Declining, but still quality player. And uh, you figure they're still probably going to draft uh, a defensive end in the first round, I would still like if they, assuming they make all th- three of those picks, I still think that's going to be high on their list to, to draft a defensive end. So they could wind up having a pretty good defensive line rotation. And, and this is a really good player. He's so fast. He's so explosive. He's small. He's, he's listed at like six, one, two thirty five. Uh, he said during his press conference that he's up to two forty two, and he's going to try to put in, put on even more weight than that so that he can sort of bolster his, pass rushing repertoire have you know add sort of a power element to that but uh yeah he's, he's going to help the the Eagles pass rush for sure and you know the Eagles defense got better question I have for you is is it a correct allocation of the team's free agency financial resources yeah I mean I think so I think investing in your pass rush is pretty important I think to it's, it's a question that should be asked because you know, the Eagles don't have unlimited cap space. They kind of have to, you know, decide which position they're going to take the big swing at um, or maybe multiple big swings. At least they've tried to, but they haven't all worked out. And we'll get to that later. But uh, I think it's a really good signing. I think this is a player who is entering his age 28 season. Like, that's pretty crazy to get a pass rusher like that on a like a reasonable deal. He's, he's going to be the 17th highest paid edge rusher in terms of annual value. So it's not even a t- top 15 contract. Like, that's that's pretty good. And again, for a guy who has more sacks than anyone in the NFL, except for four players the last two seasons, like, that's, that's all pretty good. So I think this was a good job by the Eagles. Um, the only way I think this contract goes wrong, really, is if they overthink his role somehow. <laughs> that's that's the scenario where I could see it yeah. going wrong. If they just somehow overthink it 
and they're not having him just rush the passer. Like that's the only way I see like the downside of this. I don't really see other avenues where there are downside. I don't really worry about the lack of production earlier on because he genuinely wasn't being used as a pass rusher. Like they were making him an off ball linebacker. And I think it wasn't until really that Vance Joseph uh, got there in Arizona. I was talking to uh, the SB Nation Cardinals blog about this Revenge of the Birds. And they were, they were saying that like it really wasn't uh, until then. If I'm not mistaken, by the way, too, I also believe the Cardinals might have had some interest this offseason in bringing him back. Um, it didn't happen. Mm. I think that, I didn't see I think, that. yeah. That, yeah, I think I saw from them that the Eagles outbid them, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously okay. him being from Camden and going to Temple kind of gives the Eagles a leg up, I'm sure, uh, being back closer to home, which is a fun little side angle, as we talked about last year with Joe yeah. Flacco. It's not extremely... <laughs> meaningful in the big picture, but it's a little nice side bonus, especially when the player is actually good and actually uh, is worth the contract. By the way, I can't believe Joe Flacco got $3.5 million again, Jimmy. <laughs> again. <I know laughs> we're not a Jets podcast, but that just blows my mind. Anyway, back to Reddick. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really good fit. I wanted to highlight something that uh, Johnny Page, BGN's own, did in a really good all 22 film room breakdown on bleedinggreennation.com, which you can check out on the website right now. And I think this is kind of a key point of the signing. He said, Hassan Reddick's not really someone who's going to get like consistent pressure. That's not what he saw when he was watching him on film. Um, obviously, against more athletic offensive tackles uh, who can kind of you know match his speed and everything. He right. kind of can just be like DOA, like he gets stopped and then, you know, he's just done. It's not like he's he's coming back into the play, although he's a good motor. It's just that like those guys kind of match him, but he's more of like a, uh, he, I like the way Johnny compared it to almost like Deshaun Jackson. He's kind of like a boomer okay. bust guy. Like he's not going to yeah. be like, you know, this volume uh, receiver for the offense and be there every play, your go-to guy, as much as he's going to kind of make like these big splash impact plays, um, right. which is, which there's value in that. Like it, in the NFL, most teams aren't going to play like great defense on every snap. You're almost looking for the high variance, the big plays like Dallas last year, take for example, because those impact plays have a lot of value. So I think uh, that's the kind of player they're getting here. Yeah. And the DJX heyday, you know, he'd have one game where he, you know, eight catches for 160 yards, a couple mm-hmm. touchdowns. And then the next week he'd have like two catches for 17 yards. Yep. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I, I like that analogy from, from uh, Johnny. Um, I cut up his uh, 11 sacks from uh, 2021. He was actually in on 14 sacks. He had to split six sacks with teammates. So he actually got to the quarterback uh, 14 times uh, and got credit for at least, uh, he at least got half credit for 14 sacks. And you're right. Like he, there, there are sometimes he just smokes the, uh, the, the offensive tackle. I mean, at the snap, he's just so explosive uh, at the snap. Sometimes he does a good job, uh, sort of timing out the snap like the, the the two sacks he had against the Eagles last year were particularly impressive it was the game where Andre Dillard started at left tackle and Jordan Mailata started at right tackle he smoked Mailata twice around Mailata the was, was probably Mailata's yeah game, yeah and, and he was, he was also yes. playing on the other side too mm-hmm. and and I think one of those sacks was sort of like a they're they're actually back-to-back they're on back-to-back plays and uh the second one was I, I think Kelsey might have snapped the ball early and the rest of the line wasn't ready mm-hmm. and it just looked comical how quickly he got off the line compared to the rest of the Eagles uh, offensive linemen uh but he's he's fast he's super fast and as you mentioned 
Um, he's got a motor like uh, we motor from, you know, the old Andy Reid days. People got tired of, of hearing that word. But this guy is totally a hustler. He doesn't stop uh, on the play on any play. And, and he, he does a great job of, of, you know, sort of chasing the play from behind and just keeping himself active and, and cleaning up some sacks that, uh, you know, other guys might not get because they just kind of gave up on the play. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with uh, with Johnny's assessment that he is sort of a splash player. Um, and, you know, that that's a good thing in, in today's NFL. Like if you can get guys that, that can make uh, big plays and I mean, they, they turn games. So um, game not record. the biggest deal. Yeah, it's not the biggest deal if, if he goes uh, silent for for stretches of time. As long as he is making enough of those of those big splash plays, then then I think the uh, the the value of that is is sort of worth the um, you know the the lapses in, in in production. The juice is worth the squeeze, if you will. Yes. Um, <laughs> I so what, in... what what letter grade would you give this? Uh, would you give this deal? Uh, probably like an A minus, like B plus. I think it's a pretty good deal. Again, to get a player at this age for this kind of value, um, I think it's almost like a market inefficiency kind of deal. Like it's not your your standard kind of. It's like a, it's a unique situation. You're you're kind of getting in on a unique situation here, and then the, obviously the opportunity to get him to Philly. Like maybe that kind of helped them land him too. Like there's just like a lot of unique things about this deal. I also think that uh, people can enjoy the fact that it signals the end of Derek Barnett in Philadelphia. Um, I didn't really realize this until the Eagles signed him. He was the pick before Derek Barnett in the 2017 NFL draft. I didn't think about that. And obviously, he's been (laughs) way more productive. And he's also had like way fewer penalties despite playing in like uh, a thousand more snaps than Derek Barnett in his career. So I think it's good. The last thing I'll say, too, that you kind of already touched on, but... Like I think it's an exciting thing to think about the Eagles' edge rush rotation now because this doesn't rule out by any means them taking a edge rusher with one of their first round picks in the 2022 NFL draft. So, and also then now you don't have to rely on that guy, that rookie, kind of playing this huge role necessarily because you have Brandon Graham coming back, you have Josh Sweat, you have Hassan Reddick, and now you add that rookie let's say David Ojabo or Jermaine Johnson, whoever it is as that fourth guy, like that's a, that's a pretty intriguing edge rush rotation. And then obviously you're bringing back Teron Jackson as well. So he's in the mix. So uh, yeah, I, I'll say an A minus. What about you? So it'll, I mean, it's, it'll be a big test for Jonathan Gannon on how creative he can get with uh with a player like this and how does their scheme change? How does their usage of that position change? Because, Jonard Avery, I, I don't know what percentage of, of the snaps he played in off offhand in 2021, uh, but they couldn't really utilize that role much because he wasn't good. Like he he was a liability against the run. He couldn't drop into coverage, and when he did get pass rush opportunities, he didn't make the most of them. He had one sack, I think, in 2021. So um, Hassan Radic will be better, in my opinion, in all three of those areas. Now he's not like a, a great run stopper necessarily, but he does penetrate into the backfield and you make, you know, tackles for loss and that kind of thing. So he does make some, you know, splash plays in, in the run game too, uh, in a sense. But um, it, it'll, I think, uh, you know, what, what we see from him in his first year with the Eagles will be really interesting to see, you know, how creative and how good uh, Gannon can actually be with, uh, with, with a legit weapon at that position. But just as is before we even see any of that, I think the value at 15 million per year for a guy who had double digit sacks in each of the last two seasons especially on day one a free agency like that's usually when guys get a ton of money like could they get overpaid you, you, like would you rather have Hassan Reddick at 15 million 
or like one of these receivers, like Christian Kirk got 18 million, which is crazy. I know the Eagles were in on him. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, it, I mean, the Jaguars priced everyone out of the market on in, in the wide receiver market. But like, I thought that if the Eagles did try to make a splash in free agency, it would be at the edge rusher position. And that's where they, you know, put their dollars. And again, 15 million per year for a guy like this, I think is a perfectly reasonable amount of money. And again, they were really deficient in being able to get to the quarterback last season. He's going to help that. So yeah, I give this, I give this an A minus as well. All right. Uh, Why don't we stay on the defensive line, Jimmy, but switch to the interior where Fletcher Cox was released on the post June one designation. uh, I believe crossing broads, let's go to the phones podcast had it first in the day um, before he was going to be released. Yeah, yeah, they actually okay. tweeted it out like way before mm. everyone, and then uh, Garofalo was the first in like the mainstream to uh, to pick that up and put that out there. And okay. also, I should note that Garofalo said that you know it was possible that the Eagles were going to bring him back, and there was a lot of kind of buzz about that. And then on Thursday night, let's go to the phones podcast Twitter account tweeted out that Fletcher Cox will be back, and. Garofalo kind of piggybacked on that and said that it's trending in that way. And John Clark also said the same thing, trending in that way, but not actually officially done yet. And we should note that as of recording this podcast, it is not officially done yet. And that is worth noting, especially to me in a free agency cycle where we're seeing players not necessarily going to where we think they're going until it's done, such as J.D. McKissick backing out of his deal with the Bills and then ending up in Washington or Randy Gregory. Uh, <laughs> embarrassing the Cowboys um, and going to the Broncos instead. And then Zadarius Smith, who seemingly had a deal done with the Ravens, um, but is now back on the market. So, you know, Fletcher Cox by officially like by official team announcement, the team Eagles officially released him. So right now, as we're talking, like other teams are able to talk to him. So there might be this plan to come back and talk to the Eagles, but you don't know if, you know, someone else tried to might swoop in there. Uh, no pun intended there for the Eagles mascot and try to get him. So, you know, we'll see uh, once the ink is dried, but it sounds like Jimmy that Fletcher Cox will be coming back. Um, <laughs> what Let's do you go make to of the this? Must be, uh, this is so weird. What na- neighbors with Fletcher Cox? Who? It may, let's let's go to the phones. Is that who you said broke it? Yeah, their neighbors. I don't know. I don't want to speculate well, there, here. He's got to be boys with, with uh, Fletcher Cox, I guess. I don't know. So <laughs> that's a good scoop. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It I I don't think uh, so. When you look at Howie Roseman's twenty twenty, and we'll get to Howie Roseman's contract extension coming up uh, probably in the second segment here. But when you look at his twenty twenty one season. <laughs> when you look at his 21, 2021 season, I thought he had a good year overall. I mean, everything that he did with the, you know, the, the Carson Wentz trade, salvaging a first and third round pick for him, uh, being able to, you know, maneuver around the draft, pick up, you know, an extra first round pick from the Dolphins and still land Devonte Smith. There were, those were the big things that he did last year. And there were, there were, you know, fantastic moves. Like I thought like he was, he nailed that, that stuff. The one move that was terrible mm. was <laughs> was redoing Fletcher Cox's deal. And like they didn't have to do that. They should have traded him before the season began last year when he still had some kind of value. They Which weren't you said Super Bowl. in like yeah, right, right. So this isn't, this isn't hindsight twenty twenty stuff. Yeah. Like I said they should trade him before the season began. And uh instead they redid his deal and they basically made him very difficult to trade during the season. Now they had opportunities again to trade him at the trade deadline last year. Uh, my understanding is that they were holding out for a two. Uh, it was reported that the Raiders were close. 
Uh, I know the Steelers had some interest, but apparently a deal almost got done with the Raiders and something uh, Cox might've backed out on that mm. uh, at the last, I don't know exactly how that went down, but uh, they had an opportunity to trade him at the trade deadline. They didn't do it then either. Did you have and a sense now, it was close to it too? Like, like it was at like, you know, no, they wanted it too. So did you get the sense that like that, the Raiders were offering close to that? Yeah, that I don't know. But like, um, it wasn't like a fifth. You think like you, you, if you're no, close, no, no, it was, yeah, it was a legit pick okay. that they would have gotten in return for him is my understanding. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, so whatever, whatever, whatever happened, they didn't, they didn't trade him, <laughs> and they didn't trade him before the season began. That was his worst move of the year. Like it was, it was his handling of Fletcher Cox's contract. It was similar in ways to, uh, you know, the Alshon Jeffrey uh, yep. restructure that just crippled them uh, financially for for a season or two. So, and a total unforced error, by the way. Like, yeah, it wasn't like there was any pressure to, to do that. <laughs> right, right. They didn't need to. They didn't need to open up cap space to like bring a player in or anything like that. They just made a move that they just really shouldn't have done. Um, so now, you know, they, they, they release him uh, to be determined if he comes back again, but who knows what this contract will look like if they, if they re-sign him again. Uh, I know uh, Zach Ertz was trying to recruit him to Arizona after he saw that he was released. Said, you know, come on out to, to the desert, big guy or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it was how he's one big screw up during the 2021 off season. Uh, I just, I have a hard time getting excited for Fletcher Cox being back. Not because I think the <laughs> Eagles are better off without him because they're better yeah. with him. They're a worse team when Fletcher Cox is not on the roster. But the problem is there's so many resources that are being sunk into him, especially if you're re-signing him. And some of the damage is already done with the dead cap and whatnot. But like, this is a player, Jimmy, with four and a half sacks in his last 22 games. And you're paying him elite money or at least really good money if you're bringing him back. And that's not good enough. And I don't think Fletcher Cox is, again, donezo. Um, I still think there's something there, and he can be you know, a good player, but you're paying him elite money at the end of the day. And, again, when it comes about like talking about how predictable this was, I've been pointing out, I feel like, for years, like the, the snap count uh, disparity between him and I use Brandon Graham as an example. Um, like Fletcher Cox is only 31. I believe he turned 31 in December. But he's played 2,000. Uh, 2037 more snaps than Brandon Graham, who Brandon Graham is 34 and he entered the NFL two seasons before Fletcher Cox. So he's played so many snaps that all that wear and tear has to have like taken a toll. And obviously he didn't make the pro bowl for the first time. And I right. believe what six years in 2021, and he really shouldn't have made it in 2020. He kind of made it, I feel like on honor more than merit, um, or at least was more borderline at best. So I, I just think it's a tough spot. It's like, okay, people are going to be like, oh, I'm glad Fletcher Cox is back. And obviously there's, I get that because he's a franchise legend. He was their best yeah. player on their most successful team in franchise history. I, I, I get it. Um, I get the sentimental value for Fletcher Cox, but I just don't really, I don't know. I have a hard time being like, this is an awesome move, bringing him back. Like, no, you messed it up. So I'll disagree slightly on that. I think Carson Wentz was their best player on their Super Bowl. I mean, team. I think you but have to factor though, best... going into this actual Super Bowl though. Like like throughout the <laughs> He was the their whole best season. defensive player, no doubt. No no doubt their best defensive player. And yeah, mm -hmm. heading into the Super Bowl probably their you know, with after right. the injury or whatever. Uh -huh. He was their best player heading into that Super Bowl. Like there's no doubt that when the Patriots game planned for the Eagles, like they wanted to make sure that Fletcher Cox didn't beat them. So, and in that respect, he's kind of like a weird player in that his popularity kind of doesn't match 
like the level of player that he was over the course of his career with the Eagles. Like when he got released, there wasn't like, I mean, was there really like a a strong reaction to him getting cut? Like, you know, like people being really mad about it. I kind of feel like, no, Uh, certainly when, uh, you know, Dawkins left for, for the Broncos. um, I mean, people were super pissed and rightfully so, but I mean, Eagles released Fletcher Cox yesterday and the reaction was pretty tame in my opinion at least that was my sort of my perception of it so uh sort of a weird player in that he was so good for so long but for whatever reason his popularity levels were never like the same as you know some of the the more recognizable like uh legends in in you know eagles history i think part of that is just because his impact isn't always seen you know there yes yeah yeah i hate the idea that like he's more valuable than the stats show because like Again, four and a half sacks in the last 22 games isn't cutting it. I don't care how much opportunity he's opening for anyone else. Like, that's that's not good enough. You don't pay a player elite money to have four and a half sacks. That's really bad. And if you look at, like, the other guys at the top of the market with comparable contracts in that span, I guarantee you they have more four and a, than four and a half sacks. Um, so it's weird, but I guess he's going to be back. And it was once uh, a man named Howie Roseman once said, uh, what was the line here? Uh, that he has a problem when it comes to I'm looking for the exact quote. Okay, Howie Roseman, January 2020. Quote, I know for me personally, comma, one of my weaknesses is getting attached to our players. End quote. All right. Uh you don't say Howie. <laughs> yeah, you love that quote. <laughs> I mean he said it, but then like he doesn't do it. He just keeps doing it. It's like I really have a drinking problem as I continue to just like funnel alcohol into my mouth. It's like you're saying yes, but you're not like doing anything about it. Okay. Well, he was he and Wentz were the two uh, players. He had like big, oversized, fat heads hmm. on his uh, on his wall in his office, and yep. uh, he traded. He did trade Wentz, and then he released <laughs> Cox in consecutive years. So I guess he's got to get a couple new uh, fat heads up for his wall. Uh, well, yeah, but we'll see. Who Cox. who who are the fat heads that he gets next um, to replace Wentz and, and Cox? Good question. Not Jalen Hurts. Um, got to be Devontae, I think. Devontae is a good bet. Uh, who else? And he doesn't take up a lot of room because he's skinny. And he, def- I feel like the other one has to be a defender. Josh Sweat? Mm, no, I think it's a little much. Nah. Um, maybe it's who they draft this year. Maybe it's Mylotta because uh, mm, that's true. They, they got mm. him in the seventh round. And I don't know though. For that one, yeah. It's something to think Can't about. Can't go double offense. Hey, listeners, uh, if you have an idea of the next two players, Howie Roseman is going to put on his wall the big fat head version of. Uh, you can tweet at me, at Brandon Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky, at Jimmy Kemsky, at BGN underscore radio with the hashtag. Howie Fathead. Hashtag Howie Fathead with uh, your guesses for the next two <laughs> players. So why don't you do that? All right, Jimmy, why don't we take a break here before we get into more of the show? But before we go to that commercial, let me tell you, just sit right there, Jimmy, and audience, as I tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. See, the amazing thing about BGN Radio is that it's free. You know, there's other podcasts out there and, and sites and whatnot that have a paywall. And BGN does jerks. And, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to co-sign that, but Jimmy said it. And uh, Philly Voice doesn't have a paywall as well. Just noting that. Uh, so, you know, look, it's free. And if you appreciate the content here, uh, we appreciate you. And if you want to help support, that's great. If you can't, if you don't want to, that's fine as well. But if you'd like to, you can by going to RighteousSelling.com 
using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You're going to get some snacks that are great. You're going to help support a local business. You're going to help support your favorite Eagles podcast. So it's a win for everyone involved when you go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Or if you're looking for some dog treats as well, you can go to WildNaturePet.com and use the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, my worst nightmare has come true. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you were pretty late getting uh, your your uh, your article about that up. What what happened? I was too devastated. I couldn't come to. No, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was actually on um, uh, Birds 365 with okay. Jody Mack and John McMullen. So. Uh, I couldn't get to it because I was on with them. We were talking. We're talking about, about the Howie Roseman contract extension, yes, by the way. Here. By the way, yeah, um, sorry, yeah. yeah, didn't add that context. I think people knew what I was referring yeah. to when I said I was <laughs> devastated. Um, I mean, you broke the story, so why don't you start with it? Yeah, um, it's a three-year extension. Uh, he had one year left on his current deal, which ran through the 2022 season. So yeah, the three years onto that, and he'll be the Eagles' GM. Uh, you know barring any surprises through the 2025 season. Um, you know, I think he, I mean, he's been the Eagles GM primary decision maker since what 2010 and uh, you know, Jeff McLean in his article a week ago, uh, I guess he looked at other GMs around the league and determined that uh, I guess it was just Kevin Colbert of the Steelers, uh, John Schneider of the Seahawks. And there's a third guy. I don't remember exactly who, are the Is only uh, GMs? What's that? No, no, Steve, not Kime. Okay. Um, uh, but there, there, there are only three GMs uh, in the NFL, and Colbert is going to have this. Is, he's in his last year, so right. how he's going to? I mean, he'll he'll be the third most tenured uh, GM in the NFL uh, after he's gone. But he's been in his in his position for, for you know longer in the NFL than than only three other guys as as it stands right now. And um, uh, yeah, he of course had the one year in 2015 where they sent him to. You know, storage room B, like uh, like poor Milton in uh, Office Space, um, when Chip Kelly took full control of you know roster construction. Uh, but that year aside, um, you know, he's been the guy. He's been the, the primary decision maker. We saw him basically take a, a franchise in ruins uh, after the Chip Kelly era. I mean, he Chip Kelly just destroyed the roster and uh, with con- bad contracts, bad players. And he built it up into a Super Bowl content, like Super Bowl winner, uh, in two years, and you know that that can't be dismissed. But then, of course, over the next three years, he was brutally bad. Like, like in the like the 2018 draft aside, he was you know the Eagles made a, like really bad decisions across the board in terms of draft picks, in terms of free agent signings, and in terms of you know player retention, like the the contract extensions that they gave to players. And he really needed a bounce back season in 2021. And I think he had it. Like we mentioned earlier, the the draft that he had where he added, you know, a couple first round picks uh, to the 2022 slate uh, by, you know, moving around with, with the Dolphins and still landing Devontae Smith. You know, the other players that he picked uh, in the draft, I think, are looking good. Uh, early, early indications anyway with Landon Dickerson, with Milton Williams. Uh, we'll see about uh, Zach McPherson uh, coming up, but Kenny Gainwell did some nice things as a rookie. So, you know, that, that class is looking good. I thought his free agency signings, I mean, there wasn't much they could do because they were so, uh, you know, 
through his own doing that they were yeah. they were like sort of in salary cap hell. Uh, but you know he sort of fixed uh, a, a problem that he created. So like you know the 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 praise that he gets for the 2021 season needs to be tempered with uh, the fact that you know he created that mess. Um, you know they make the playoffs last year. They've made the playoffs in four of the last five years, which uh, I know you hate hearing, uh, Brandon. I'm talking about here. Uh, three of those seasons that they made the playoffs, they won nine games. So mm-hmm. uh, you know sort of unimpressive playoff berths in in three of those seasons. Uh, of course, they do have the Super Bowl win, which, I mean, they've sort of hung their hat on that as a sure. as a franchise for for you know it's that that is sort of like it feels like it's it's far enough in the rearview mirror at this point where uh, they probably shouldn't be hanging their hat on that too. I mean, anymore really? Like it's been a while. Uh, they were set up for for you know a, a sustained long run where they could be contenders for for a long time, and it, it they kind of ruined it. Uh, so now they're they're sort of in a position where they're trying to uh, rebuild this roster, and I think they're doing a decent enough job of it right now. We'll see how the quarterback position goes, but uh, yeah, Howie's going to be in Philly here for for the next four years uh, again, barring any surprises. Um, it shouldn't really come as a surprise. I think we've kind of learned at this point that uh, Jeffrey Lurie loves him some Howie Roseman, and uh, they're kind of codependent uh, on each other. But uh, that, that it is what it is. He's better than a lot of. Like plenty of GMs, there's some terribly run teams in the NFL, and the Eagles aren't that really. I mean, they have some. How he has his moments where he makes bad, like the Justin or the Justin Jefferson Jalen Rager thing is never going to go away. Uh, taking JJ Arthago Whiteside over DK Metcalf never going away. I mean, those are pretty high profile misses that weren't again they they weren't like hindsight twenty twenty things. Like fans, like you know, they de- fans wanted Justin Jefferson. They they wanted DK Metcalf over those guys. So um, yeah, they, they were sort of like instantaneous, like you know, easily criticized moves that he made, but. Um, yeah, it's, he's, he's, what would you, I think your gripe with Howie Roseman is that he's been sort of quote unquote middle of the road, which I think that, uh, you're, you're, you're not satisfied with, um, sort of middling, uh, productivity from, from, from a front office guy. Yeah. I just, so I think that's some of it. Um, I want to be clear that my criticism of Howie has, I think never really been that like he's a total bumbling idiot. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think anyone, uh, obviously there are people out there who, you know, fire Howie, the draft picks, blah, blah, blah. I don't really think that's kind of been where I've come from uh, when I criticize him. I think in a lot of ways, Harry Roseman has a lot of merit. I think he does a great job in terms of understanding value when it comes to contracts, Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, reading the market, his connections. So I think, you know, he's good at trades, obviously, you know, the Gardner Minshew deal. That's just another example. In addition to Carson Wentz and everything, he's good at that kind of stuff. There's no doubt about it. I'd even say like elite at that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he, there's no merit with Howie Roseman. I'm saying that I get really annoyed when like the take is now from a lot of people, national, local, <laughs> actually Howie Roseman is good. Like in like the criticism is just so undeserved and that is such BS. That is so dumb. I think my thing about Howie is that the biggest issues I have are and he outsmarts himself and that speaks to the Justin Jefferson pick. Um, and obviously there's been talk that, okay, it was the coaches instead. Like, okay. I don't care. You're the GM. Like you're making the pick at the yeah. end of the day. And that's also another problem. I think the athletic article that came out last year about how 
like the, you know, the lack of stability and kind of the um, like different relationships that how he needs to manage, not necessarily being managed. Well, like that's all on him still at the end of the day. Uh, and then speaking of lack of stability, I feel like we don't talk enough about how there's been multiple head coaches. There's been a bunch of quarterback changes. Like he has not found rock solid stability at those spots, which are important spots. I would say your head coach and their quarterback. And he has not found that. Now the Eagles have won a lot in spite of that, which I guess is good. It's something, but ideally, you know, the more sustainable structure for championship success is finding the good head coach and finding the really elite quarterback and pairing them together for a long stretch. Like that's the, that's the real way to do it. Like you can, you know, try to piece things together otherwise and, and get these nine win seasons and the four playoffs in five years. I mean, yes, they made the Super Bowl. That was incredible. That, that They deserve all the credit in the world for that. 2018, they make it by the skin of their teeth. They beat the uh, what the uh, Washington in week 17. While yeah, that the was Bears, when they needed uh, the, the, the Vikings to choke. They needed the they Vikings did. to choke even though the Bears had nothing to play for and the Bears still won in that game. And then, you know, they go on. <laughs> to their detriment because then they, the Eagles beat them in the, in right. the wild card round. Yeah. And then beat them on like a double doink field goal, which was like, you know, very <laughs> fluky kind of way to win. Um, yeah. That's howie roseman's sole playoff win by the way outside of the super bowl run in his tenure right. his sole playoff win outside of the super bowl uh oh, run, yeah, i guess which, that's right huh yeah yeah which four playoff wins in 11 years and not to take away from the super bowl but i think like using that always as a point of hey he did this he can do it again is not good because you're not gonna hit on like literally all of your free agent signings like he did that season that to me does not scream extremely replicable replicable way um and also like they had a quarterback playing at an extremely high level that clearly like wasn't that good for his entire career so they got like the max they got like 99 percentile quarterback performance they got 99 percentile free agent performance like the stars align there i'm not trying to say yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just luck like you make your own luck in some ways but like that's not that doesn't show to me that he can consistently like churn these championship level teams out just because all the stars aligned in one season and then the other issues I would have, I would say, are are the biggest thing to me. The thing that really annoys me the most is the embellishment of the accomplishments they have. So that speaks to the you know the four four playoff appearances in five years. And I didn't even get to 2019 when obviously they were kind of out of it and they make a run late. In they the won season. four straight games to close that season against and, the, and the know, Cowboys teams, choke yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Dak gets hurt um, last year. Uh, they they made the playoffs with a seed that didn't even exist before until recently. They made the playoffs <laughs> right. as a seven seed, and then they got blown right. out immediately. Right. And then like I'm I'm giving them credit for making the playoffs. Like, it's an amazing thing that they're getting like totally waxed by the Bucks. So I think the four playoffs in five years thing gets a little overstated in terms of just what that means. Um, so that frustrates me as well. And as we've talked about on the pod many a time, how they just I don't think the franchise has been totally honest with themselves, and I think he's part of that problem. Um. I think there's no question that how we can kind of build like a good team, but we've seen issues maintaining it because we've seen turnover again, a head coach and quarterback. So none of this is to say that like, I'm shocked that they resigned him because obviously if they weren't going to get rid of him after the 2020 season, which would have been the obvious point to make a clean yeah. break, really, they're not going to get rid of him uh, after the 2021 season when they showed some encouraging signs and whatnot. But I mean, to me, do I have like, you know, amazing confidence that Howie's going to build this team back into a contender, like a legitimate contender, not a team that just makes the playoffs, but actually can like go the distance. I mean, I really don't. I'm not saying he can't do it, but like 
you still have a big answer to or a big question to answer at quarterback. You need to find that. And there's no clear path to one. Um, and I still think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of like being able to trust him with the draft and whatnot. Like he's the Devontae Smith pick in last year's class is looking encouraging. Sure. But like, when has he ever drafted like some really great defensive players? Because I'll wait for you to answer that. Like who, who are the great defense? Like, okay, Josh Sweat. I think that's a nice player. Avante Maddox has turned out to be nice, but like, who are the defensive stars he's drafted? Fletcher Cox? Okay, that's great, but that's also 2012 yeah, we're talking ago. about. Yeah, more than 10 years it's ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so whatever. Like, it's not the worst situation to be in. Or wait, he's not the worst GM. But my my thing with quarterbacks always, the way, like the, the way I describe Kirk Cousins, for example, is that he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL by any means, but he is the worst quarterback to have in the NFL because you're kind of just stuck in the middle with him and you're not really going anywhere. Um, so I think Howie Rosen's a little bit better than that. I think there is more of a ceiling uh, for him. And obviously um, I think he can give the Eagles edges and stuff and whatnot. And he's not a horrible GM, but I can't say I feel like amazing still that he's in charge. I don't feel like, oh, yes, this is a great deal. He's a top five GM, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to touch on two things, um, you know, having, you know, broken the story or whatever, uh, in terms of the timing of, the, uh, you know, this, this story breaking, because I think there were a lot of people out there that were like, well, how he's getting his money. He should be out there <laughs> signing guys, but he's, he's out there looking out for number one and uh, <laughs> he's, he's busy getting his bag and not getting deals done for the team. Well, no, that didn't, that's not how it went. So like, he, I don't know. He I got this that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very common response uh, to, to that news breaking. Uh, but no, this was done like two or three weeks ago. Um, you know, I only learned about it more recently. And then, uh, you know, I put the story out there. But then also, I think people were annoyed by the timing in terms of why did they get the, why did they do this deal prior to free agency and the draft? Like they wanted to see how we, you know, like have a good free agency period and a good draft. Well, I mean, you don't know how the free agency and draft is going to turn out until you actually see the guys on the field. So uh, I think that sort of negates that argument. But also, you don't want um, a general manager operating as if they feel like they need to save their job because they're going to make decisions that are more geared toward uh, short-term results as opposed to you know long-term benefits. So uh, you don't really want to have a lame duck general manager in place. So if they were going to get it done, then certainly it made sense to do it before uh, free agency in the draft. And that's what they did. I think uh, Jeff McClain had even reported that it got done even as far back as February. Uh, my understanding was two or three weeks ago. So I guess three weeks ago would still be February at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it had been done for, for a few weeks. Again, I only learned about it like, I don't know, like three, four days ago or whatever. Um, and like the Eagles would have been content to it just not getting out. <laughs> like they they were, you know, they, they didn't want to really you know, confirm that, 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 that this deal had gotten done. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously it was going to come out eventually. And, and, and it did of course, uh, on Thursday when I, when I broke it on Thursday morning, but, um, yeah, I think the timing, it's, a, it's sort of a non-story because it got done a while ago. And, and again, like I said, you, like you look at GMs in the past that have made short-term decisions and they don't work out. Like you look at the bears last year, it's clear that Matt Nagy <laughs> and, um, uh, Ryan Pace. Was Jim, or Ryan Pace were were sort of. I mean, they traded a lot of ca draft capital to try to save their jobs to go up and and get Justin Fields, and it didn't work. And you know and now they're left work, without. By the way, and and what what pick did they give up in this draft? Seventh overall, yep. I think. 
to mm-hmm. the Giants uh, to, to get that deal done, and it all blew up in their face, and they got fired anyway. But um, you, you don't want to have a situation like that. So I think it does make sense uh, you know, to, to, to do a deal with him now as opposed to seeing how he performs in free agency in the draft. And it doesn't really matter in terms of like it's not like a salary cap thing with the players. Like Jeffrey Lurie can right, spend, right, right. And was, he could spend like eleventy billion dollars if he wanted to <laughs> on Howie yes. Roseman. And if he's like if Howie if the Eagles go winless this year and like all of Howie's moves blow up, which I don't think they will. I'm just saying if that happened, he could cut Howie. Like he could he could fire Howie right after this sure. year if he really wanted yep. to, and it wouldn't matter that he got the extension through. What what is it? Twenty twenty five or twenty twenty five? Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. I mean, that again, I don't think that's likely, but I'm just saying it wouldn't be prohibitive in any way. Like they can easily get rid of him if they really want to at some point, which they won't because <laughs> he'll be here forever. But um, yeah, what do you think know. how he makes? Uh, I feel like based <laughs> on research in the past, like GMs make a surprisingly low amount of money relative to the like important decisions they the make importance of their others yeah, it's only like a couple million which is like insane i think it's like less than head coaches get which i i just don't that is insane to me because they're the ones making like the most important decisions the gms not the head coaches like they, at least that's the way i see it i don't know the head coach i think is a harder job public public facing wise yes um but like i mean if you're if your roster sucks the head coach can only do so much like <laughs> right uh Look at Jacksonville. I think I think I think some players would be really mad <laughs> if they found out that they were making less than uh, you know a guy that they might perceive as you know just pushing pencils around his mm-hmm. desk up in the front office. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Why don't we take another break here, Jimmy, before we get into our final segment, which is going to be about what the Eagles can do moving forward. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors dot com. Yeah, uh, you can find her at 856-906-9295, or you can go to RoachRealtors.com. Again, as we note uh, on the podcast here, she was voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe, which is an amazing accomplishment by her. Uh, Again, so if you're looking to buy or sell your home, uh, please feel free to call, text, uh, whatever, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this kristen roach of roach real tours roach real tours roach real tours kristen roach of roach real tours she's the greatest 856-906-9295 We are back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, and it is time to talk about what the Eagles can do moving forward. But before we even get to that, I wanted to mention really quickly, because it's out there, uh, Deshaun Watson, who seems to be narrowed down to the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints as we're recording this on Friday morning. Uh, There's still some things floating out there in the ether that uh, the Eagles aren't out of the mix for him. At least mm-hmm. Joe Banner has said that, and Barrett Brooks has said that uh, via Joe Santoliquido writing a piece for BGN about what Barrett Brooks had to say upon speaking with him. And Barrett Brooks cited a source uh, within the Eagles 
that he seemed very confident that Deshaun Watson could be coming to Philly. Now, obviously, everything we've heard about Deshaun Watson is that he doesn't want to waive his no trade clause to come to Philly, which right. is kind of a deal breaker, or not even kind of, is a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, do you have any thoughts on that being out there? And to me, I guess what I take away from that is that the Eagles' uh, lack of potentially getting Deshaun Watson really has to do more about that in terms of Deshaun Watson having the no trade clause as it does more than it does. Like the Eagles have interest in Deshaun Watson. I think that should much should be clear. Like they, they want him. And I think they wanted him pretty bad actually. And I think that kind of, that doesn't mean they hate Jalen hurts, but also speaks like to the level of confidence that they have in him or lack thereof, because if you really love Jalen hurts and you really had no doubts about him and he is the guy, then you don't go out and try to get Deshaun Watson really hard. And just because the Eagles don't get Deshaun Watson, to me, doesn't mean like they they always loved Dalen Hurts and they never even tried to get Deshaun Watson. Reportedly made an offer for Russell Wilson as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think you and I were both certain that they were going to, you know, aggressively attack uh, the possibility of, of bringing in an elite-ish uh, quarterback this offseason, and they did. Um, so, people, uh, again, like sorry you said, to interrupt you real quick. It's funny though, because people be like, Well, it's not an indictment on Jalen Hurts. Like, I see that all the time. It's not an indictment that you want Russell. <laughs> yes, it is. It absolutely is an indictment on Jalen Hurts because you're saying that he's not an elite quarterback, and that's the goal to have that. So, yes, it is an indictment on Jalen Hurts. It, it doesn't mean he sucks, but it doesn't mean like, Oh, it's just like a bonus. You know, they were just looking at some really nice things and like look at look at how Baker Mayfield feels, you know, that like he's getting yeah. and I'm not saying like Jalen Hurts is handling or should it be a loser, by the way. way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that's good, but I'm just saying like someone would have a reason to feel some kind of way about that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, you guys tried to improve on me. I'm, I want to be traded now. <laughs> Screw you, Baker Mayfield. That's an exact loser. quote, by the way. <laughs> and he signed his name with uh, his middle name, too. When he Yeah, who uses their middle name? What a freak. <laughs> well, I mean, you do it all the time. But, I mean, he did it as if, like, it was some sort of formal oh, yeah. uh, send-off. It was very weird, in my opinion. Ah, anyway, uh, where were we with, uh, oh, right. So Deshaun Watson, you know, as you said, it looks like he's narrowed it down to the Falcons or, or the Saints. It looks like the Panthers are, are out of the mix on that. And, uh, yeah, there's still some floating, you know, people floating the idea that the Eagles are still, uh, in on it, which they may, they very well may be like they're a team that just kind of sits in the weeds mm-hmm. uh, sometimes sees how things, they see how things play out. And, um, if the opportunity is there to strike, you know, maybe they will. We'll see. Uh, but it appears that Watson is going to pick one of those two teams, the Falcons or the Saints, and that's where he's going to wind up going. Apparently, they have deals that the Texans have found acceptable. Uh, I know it was rep- – there's so many reports out there. It's hard to, you know, know which ones are, are right or wrong or whatever. But uh, somebody had reported – somebody of note had had reported that just to get the, the, the interview with Watson, it you know, you had to have – um, a, a deal worked out that the Texans found acceptable. I think that was um, Diana Rossini. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I trust her. So, um, yeah. So I guess they found acceptable deals with the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Browns, because he met with all those teams, uh, was unwilling to meet with the Eagles. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a moot point if he doesn't want to come to Philly. Uh, and, you know, certainly if if those four teams – could put together offers that the Texans found acceptable, then obviously the Eagles having far more draft capital than any of those four teams 
could do the same. So I don't think that's the hang up. The Eagles can offer the moon for Deshaun Watson, but ultimately that's not what this is about. It's not about making the best offer. It's about changing Deshaun Watson's mind about coming to Philly. And I don't know, can that still happen? Can they still change his mind at this point? To me, that feels unlikely, mm-hmm. but I guess that's sort of what the, uh, what the hang up is here. Uh, it's not about whatever offer they can, they they can make. It's about, how do they convince him to want to come to Philly? And I just don't see that happening at this point. And I agree. It's unlikely. But I also don't think that Joe Boehner and Barrett Brooks, who have connections to the Eagles, are just making <laughs> this up out of nowhere. I don't think that's yep. what's happening. I think they're hearing things, and that doesn't mean what they're hearing is going to come to fruition, but also doesn't mean what they're hearing is totally just made up and invalid. And the sentiment and the spirit of what they're hearing is untrue. Uh I'd, right. like to, I'd like it to be over one way or the other. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, I'm about tired of, uh, of of Deshaun Watson at this point, personally Understandable, speaking. Jimmy. Uh, last now, thing. Deshaun Watson aside, yes. uh, of course, they made the Hassan Reddick uh, signing week one, or day one of free agency, and they've done nothing well, since then. Well, so. you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because they did re-sign Greg Ward to a one-year deal, <laughs> and they brought Andre Shashiri My mistake. And, and, and they, they tendered, tendered Nate Herbig. Herbig <laughs> uh, which, if... I'm really wanting to nitpick here on the Herbig thing. Like, I think we had this conversation before, but I want to reiterate that you're paying 2.4 million to a guy who isn't even necessarily your top backup guard because I think Jack Driscoll would be ahead of him on the depth chart. So I like Nate Herbig, Herbig so it's nothing against like him. Uh, but I just think like I don't know. Anyway, our good you, friend Mike you, K. You clearly hate Nate Herbig. It's not about that. I hate what like I'm hearing Nate Herbig if I'm not mistaken at 2.4 million has like the 17th highest cap number on the Eagles this season. Again, a guy who's not even going to be the top backup guard, but like the guy after that. Uh, so I just think that's kind of a, it's not, it's kind of like the Joe Flacco thing a little bit last year. And it's in the spirit of that. And that like this one move is hardly crippling or the biggest deal at all. But when you kind of throw it on a pile of other bad moves, it's just like another thing that isn't amazing. I know you think it's fine. Yeah, I'm think- fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. I mean, the guy's played 1,400 snaps the last two years. So they've, I mean, as you said, he's, you know, I but mean, then he's, why, been, a my third, thing, though, he's is- been a third stringer the last couple of years, <laughs> sure. but they've needed him. So okay, that's fine. But also then why are you also still spending roster spots in like Coyote, Ashik, and all these, and like Brett Toth and all these other developed off. What are they there for? What are the, what is the purpose of them? Like if you still have to pay two point four million dollars to a third string guard, like that's my question. So I think I think he I think like plenty of other teams around the league would love to have him at two point four million. Well, then they better trade so for him. I think he has trade value actually. Well, so and if, it, and if that happens, great. I was wrong. <laughs> that's a good move. Then that makes sense. If you, if, actually, you you just mentioned Mike K. Were you going to say that uh, yeah. he had put out that uh, there's interest in uh, yes. in Nate Herbig? BGM, uh, he also mentioned. Mike K. He also mentioned Andre Dillard, which uh, no surprise there, of course, that the Eagles, um, you know, that teams around the league, you know, reached out to the Eagles about him. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do think that I think the Nate Hervick signing was fine. The other fine. three restricted free agents, uh, they did not tender uh, Alex Singleton, who is now uh, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Boston Scott, same thing. He's an unrestricted free agent. And Greg Ward who uh, they, I guess they did sign. I, I, I would guess he got the veteran minimum. I don't know. Something Maybe they lower guaranteed than the 2. it or something 4. like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he'll, so he'll more than likely be back. I mean, they only have two playable receivers right now uh, on the team, in my opinion, in Devontae and, and Quez Watkins. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he makes sense as a depth guy that you can put in. 
maybe put back there if your punt returner gets hurt or is fumbling, muffing punts or whatever, like we saw last year. <laughs> like, so he's, we know what Craig Ward is at this point. But um, as far as their inactivity. I just want to say on Scott real quick, like people, because some people I think were kind of like, oh, you let Boston Scott go. And uh, I think, first of all, I think he might be back on a lower number. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if you tendered him at 2.4, he would be making top 30 running back money. Like, that's how low the running back market is. He didn't get a carry until week seven last year. Yeah, like they, like, like they didn't give him the they didn't give him the football until week seven right, until right. Miles Sanders got hurt. And uh, we all like Boston Raiders, Scott, but like you can't pay him top thirty running back. Money. They don't they don't value him. I mean, if he didn't get a carry until week seven, they just don't value him. And and you look at his spot on the depth chart right now. Like if he were to if he were to join the team, he'd be the third running back behind Sanders mm-hmm. and uh, Kenny Gainwell and. They're going to add a running back at some point during this offseason. They're going to add a bigger guy, whether that be in the draft or after the draft, uh, if they don't draft somebody. So, I mean, at best, he's going to be, assuming everyone's healthy, at best, he's their fourth running back if you bring him back. So you're not going to pay $2.4 million to a guy like that. Um, maybe he signs back with the team at a lower number. I think he probably will. Um, but if he moves on, I, I like Boston Scott. Like, I, yeah, I like him as a We all as do. No one disliked Boston Scott. But, like, you know, it comes down to value. Like you can't just... And he had his moments. He actually had seven touchdowns last year. Sure. You know that? He's a touchdown like, is, scorer. Is that right? It is. <laughs> What's that? He's a touchdown scorer, just like Chris Polk before him. And, and he was a giant. He was a Giants killer. And until, a Jets killer. Until he fumbled uh, yeah. in, a, in a big spot against the Giants last year. Uh, and he lost playing time uh, immediately after that happened. Like they didn't put him in, in games in the, in the next couple games after that. Uh, but yeah, he, he's going to move on. But as far as the Eagles inactivity, uh, I mean, obviously they have big needs at wide receiver, at linebacker and at safety. And they haven't addressed, uh, you know, outside players anyway, at either of those three positions, the wide receiver market has been out of control. I mean, just the guys are getting wildly overpaid. Like Christian Kirk got 18 million Allen Robinson, who I like, is not worth $15 million a year. DJ Chark is a guy that I really liked as a target. I thought he would have been a good fit in Philly, but with his injury history, that's a guy that you should be getting at a, at a, at a deep discount. One year, $10 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed. No, yeah, you're not going to be on that. Max of 12. Yeah, that's like crazy. For, he played what, so, four games last year? <laughs> yeah, what so, are we talking about? And he, I, and he's a pro. He's a former Pro Bowl player, but that that was a while ago. It was what twenty nineteen, I think. Yeah, so, and he had like seven hundred yards in twenty twenty. Yeah, you're not going to give that guy a ten year fully guaranteed contract. You that up to twelve. Um, you're just not going to do that kind of deal for a guy like him, especially for one year. And you know he's going to be a big number on your cap for one. I guess you could you know kick some of that money in the future years, but it's, that's just he's not just not worth that that money. So um, yeah, I don't blame the Eagles for not signing a wide receiver at these high numbers. But ultimately, they're probably going to wind up with a guy like Zach Pascal or like Keelan Cole, you know, those kinds of like second or third tier kind of guys, in my opinion. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is still out there. Um, you know, I had said that they are out on him. Maybe they'll change their mind because of the, you know, because of how depleted the, <laughs> the wide receiver you know market has become. Safety is another position where guys have gotten outsized contracts there, too. Like we sort of, I, I mean... We heard all throughout, you know, the lead up to free agency that a guy like Marcus May, for example, was probably going to get like, you know, five million or something like that. He winds up getting close to 10. Uh, Marcus Williams gets 15 per year. Uh, who are the other ones that I'm missing? Justin here? Reed. I forget what Justin he got. Justin Reed he got, got a lot of money. I for thought the he was going to get got, like a lower deal because yeah. just he's been with the Texans and they haven't been great, but the Chiefs yep. paid him big. Yeah. So that's been another position where uh, there's still some guys left. 
like uh, you know Edmonds from from the Steelers. Uh, Tara uh, Matthew is still out there. Jaquiski uh, Tart is in there. Jaquiski Tart, yeah, from Jaquiski. Whatever. How do you spell? How do you say his first name? Uh, I don't know. I think it's spelled like Jaquiski, uh-huh. but everyone calls him Jaquiski. I don't know. Maybe I'll name my kid if I have if I have another kid. Jaquiski Kemsky. Or a pet, maybe. You like that? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's sort of where their inactivity is stemming from, in my opinion, at the at, at the wide receiver and safety positions. Linebacker's been a little slower. We haven't really seen a lot of those guys, uh, a lot of the high profile guys come off the board. Like Bobby Wagner still out there. Um, again, I don't think they're going to spend big. They're, they, they, I guess they kind of did spend, you know, find a linebacker because that's what they're calling Hassan Reddick. Uh, I wouldn't categorize him as that. He's more of a pass rusher. Uh, but yeah, they, they, it's been a boring. It's been a very boring free agency for the Eagles through these first four or five days. Uh, you know, they had a big splash on day one, but thereafter, I mean, it's been crickets. Um, I think, you know, possibility of a trade could maybe be out there. Like, I think, like, LaVisca Chenault is yeah. a guy that makes that makes sense to me uh, from the Jaguars, of course. Um, was Dave Caldwell still there to draft? He him? was. He drafted he was. him at, like, uh, uh, the second, second round, round. Early second yeah. round, 2020. So there's the connection there. Um, you know, obviously they tried to go out and trade and the, the trade for like, so I didn't think it, it made a lot of sense to trade for a guy like Calvin Ridley. Cause you're going to have to give up a, a high peg. And then all, he's, he was on his fifth year option at like 11 million or something like that. So I didn't like the idea of trading for him, but I think the, the Eagles kind of saw this market coming maybe. Yeah. And that's, and that's why they tried to trade for him. Cause 11 million for that guy on one year, on a one year deal actually looks like a bargain. Uh, a bit big bargain really well, compared to some of these deals that, that, that these guys have been getting. Uh, we don't, I don't think that anyone's reported what, what the cost would have been to get him. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 that makes more sense to me now seeing how this uh, wide receiver market has evolved, but there isn't a lot left. <laughs> like they're going to have to find somebody in free agency or, or by a trade. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they do uh, as, as free agency continues here. Well, the other thing I think about a really trade is when you trade for him, he has to come to your roster. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone, oh, yeah, I know where you're going with this. When you yeah. sign someone in free agency, they have to want to come to your roster. There's a difference there. and <laughs> yes. I. But this is not, again, this isn't even hindsight. This is what we were talking about and why the Eagles might sign like Zach Pascal because I don't think a high-volume passing target wants to come to an offense that runs the ball more than any team in the NFL. Yeah. I, they don't want to. I mean, unless they're getting buco bucks and getting like this, you know, like the Christian Kirk kind of contract. Right. So at that point, you're getting all your money. But if you're, get, you're coming yeah. here on like a one-year deal, that's not really appetizing because you're not going to be posting big receiving numbers as you go into free agency next year. Right. That's what like those kind of players on those one-year deals want to do. So I think that's kind of absolutely relevant. Like receivers are not lining up to come play with Jalen Hurts. And I've seen some people kind of mention how that's kind of been the case maybe for Lamar Jackson too. Like the, the, the Ravens have mm-hmm. consistently kind that of failed sense. to get him like big receiver help. And maybe part of that is because they don't want to come play in a run-heavy offense. Uh, so I think that's absolutely worth considering. I mean, the names out there at wide receiver, Jimmy, I'll, I'll read you like the top like five um, okay. that I see. Will Fuller, uh, who okay. is a Speed, nice player. but always hurt. When he's yeah. healthy, but it's always hurt. Uh, Jamison Crowder, eh. uh, Keelan yeah. Cole, who you mentioned as a potential Eagles free agent fit yeah. as like a, you know, a backup kind of lower end option. Uh, our boy, Zach Pascal, my boy, uh, and Sammy Watkins. I think those are like some of the top names you see out there on the market right now. So it's not great. Dwindling. 
Yeah. And uh and going back to the point about like players wanting to play here, I've seen people kind of bring that up or like question that because you had Marcus Williams reportedly turned down a deal that was similar to the one he got from the Ravens, and that's interesting. Allen Robinson turned down uh the Eagles. There was a lot of speculation that they were in for him, according to Jeremy Fowler. Now, obviously, you know, he's getting to play for the reigning Super Bowl champions, Matthew Stafford. Right. So it's not like insane to think that he would prefer that. And then, but there, there was talk to Christian Kirk, like you mentioned, that the Eagles were interested in him. And now he got an insane contract. Right. I mean, they, 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 he got, I mean, Jaguars priced everyone way sure. out of the market on him. Yeah. But still, my point is, I guess, like the Eagles have signed one player in free agency thus far, and it was someone who was from Philly. Like, so like they haven't <laughs> yeah. exactly been a hot spot of like attracting people. How much does yeah. that matter? I don't know. You can kind of determine that for yourself. But the point is like, they're not this super destination. It's not like guys are like lining up to play with Jalen Hurts. So, you know, make of that what you will. But I I think it's fair to point out. I think, and I don't think it's an organizational thing either. Like there's nothing wrong with, you know, the Eagles organization compared to some of these teams where other guys are signing. You make, you, you mentioned the Rams example. Certainly they have uh, a little more juice going right now than the Eagles. Cause they just won a Super Bowl, of course. Uh, but I think the Eagles organization is viewed, you know, fairly favor, favorably to, you know, guys around the league and, and, and from a national perspective, uh, you know, I think when, when you're a little bit closer to it here uh, in Philadelphia, you can kind of maybe think that, um, you, yeah, I mean, you can nitpick reasons why you wouldn't want to come to Philly, but I think ultimately it's it's a it's a destination that uh, players generally feel comfortable about. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the point that you make about the wide receivers is dead on. Like the fact the fact of the matter is they're the most run heavy team in the NFL. So like if you're if you're trying to you know the cap is going to rise substantially in uh, 2023 and then also probably in 2024. So what we've seen a lot of uh, from these deals is there's a lot of one and two year deals that are getting done. And the reason is simple. Like these guys want to, you know, sign these shorter deals, uh, improve their value. And then when they hit free agency again, they have the potential to make bank and they're smart. Like they know that if they come to Philadelphia, Philly's going to run the ball a lot and they might not get their, the, the, the Eagles are going to feed when they do, when they do pass the ball, they're going to feed Devonte Smith and they're going to feed Dallas Goddard and whatever's left is going to be split among, you know, you and Kenny Gainwell and Quez Watkins and, you know, guys like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to compete for targets on, on a team like this. And it doesn't make sense for uh, a receiver that's trying to boost his value for the future to come here. I, and I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't think Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard already get targeted enough. So like, if you're looking at that, yep. you're not even yep. beat, force feeding your volume targets enough. Then how are you going to like feel coming into this? And what I would say about the Eagles, uh, I don't think they're you know viewed as a dumpster fire or unattractive by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm also saying they're not viewed as like a special place or especially enticing. They're just they're just another mm-hmm. team. There, there's no. Yeah. Like that's fair. Especially good reason to come here. It's there, there's no reason to avoid here, but there's no like really big enticing factor. I think is kind of maybe what I we're seeing. Fair. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it's it's not the best. It's not the worst. You're just stuck in the middle. Which is it's weird that Deshaun Watson wouldn't want to play here because I like so I, I think that on the Eagles' selling point on on him is they helped resuscitate Michael Vick's career. 
they, they they took a huge chance on on a guy that was viewed by the public as a pariah, and that's exactly what Deshaun Watson is going to be when where, wherever he goes. Um, I think there are different levels of acceptance uh, that he'll face depending on what city he goes to, and I think Philly would be harsh if he did come here. So that certainly would factor in. But uh, the the selling point that the Eagles could make is that they you know turned Michael Vick into a pariah uh, from from a pariah into you know, a, a guy that sort of resuscitated uh, both his career and his image publicly. So I definitely think the media climate uh, being hostile is definitely a reason why Deshaun wouldn't necessarily want to be here. And, you know, he's from the South too, and maybe he's just more yeah. comfortable in like that Southern kind of atmosphere, that, you know, culture, environment, whatever you want to call it. I also think there's an element of Deshaun Watson works with Quincy Avery. That's his trainer. Yeah. Jalen Hurts also works with Quincy Avery, or at least he was mm-hmm. last year, I know. So I wonder if there's something there, too, and if there's a relationship. And obviously, Jalen Hurts being from Houston and Deshaun Watson, you know, ostensibly training down there, having connections there, kind of knowing people, being in the know. I'm sure they have mm-hmm. some kind of level, level of familiarity with each other. And maybe Deshaun Watson, I'm not saying this is the sole reason he would be basing a decision, but it's another factor in the equation is that maybe he doesn't want to displace another black starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So I think that's uh, something. And people have raised and, that uh, point. One, and one that he's friends with. Sure. Yeah. So I think that's another like layer that might need to be considered throughout all of this. Um, maybe it's irrelevant. I don't know. I'm just saying that's that's another point, I think, that people have raised and I think could have some legitimacy. Um, is there anyone out there on the market, Jimmy, <laughs> that you think the Eagles should sign? Like, Is there anyone out there? I know you did that post about uh, for what Rodgers. Yeah, they, they've all and... they've all come off the board. All of them? <laughs> not all of them. But oh, all of them. No, 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 not all of them. But like the ones that I thought were like appealing mm-hmm. options, I've like they've kind of slowly come off the board. I forget who I had. It. You know, let me pull that up real quick. Uh, there are some guys yeah, who have I'd, been I'd, cut that of interest to the Eagles, like uh, that they've had interest in the past, like that right, uh, former Bears and Raiders linebacker uh, Nick Quiet Quiet Quiet. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yep, yep, yep. Uh, like maybe you keep an eye on someone like that. Um, yeah, there was that off season where he was a, a hot name around the league, and Corey Littleton yes, was a hot a name, around the, and they both they both busted as free yep. agents for for their respective teams, and now they're back on the market and they're going to make not as not anywhere near as much money as they did when they were free agents previously. Uh, so yeah, those are two names that that maybe make some sense. I had here, oh, Miles Jack, I guess signed. Very quickly after he got cut, yep. Uh, I know some fans were were disappointed when when the Eagles didn't get him. Kaiser White uh, from the Chargers is a guy. I don't know if he signed anywhere else uh, yet. I don't think, he but did. he was a guy that I, Nick, Nicholas Morrow was a guy that I had mistakenly <laughs> on my list. Like he had already signed when I published it. Oops, bad job nice. by me. Uh, Jayon Brown from from the Titans makes some sense. Uh, the safeties we mentioned. Oh, uh, we mentioned already Terrell Edmonds, but the guy that I really like, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, is Deshaun Elliott from the Ravens. So the one year that he did play a full season, you know, like 80 tackles, a couple force fumbles, a few sacks, but he's viewed as like a super smart player and he can play deep. Like he, he, he can play deep half in, uh, in Jonathan Gannon's system. I think he makes a lot of sense. Jabril Peppers yeah. uh, is another guy that again, he really, um, he, he tore an ACL last year with the giants. Uh, so he's going to come, he's wherever he signs. I, I assume we'll be at a discount. There's a decent number of safeties, I guess that are still left. Uh, but at linebacker and, uh, and wide receiver, it's kind of slim pickings. How do you feel about a Patrick Peterson? He said uh, he seemed to indicate the Eagles might have some interest in him. I saw that. I didn't see the. Um, I saw the tweet that uh, uh, I forget the the 
uh, the guy who tweeted that out. Um, my apologies to you, my friend. Uh, but uh, he said on, I guess, NFL Network that yep. he named, I think I, my understanding is he named five different teams. Excuse he named a few. I had interest in him. He talked about the Vikings, uh, like because he's you know he just played there, and yeah, kind of, yeah, I'll yeah. talk about them a little bit. He said the Chiefs could be kind of interesting. Obviously, you know, every, any any free agent would probably say that. Um, he said the Bucks, but then kind of ruled that out because they re-signed Carlton Davis, so he uh-huh. didn't really see them as an option. He said the Cowboys, but he said he wasn't really sure what they had outside of Trayvon Diggs. And then he said he specific like he mentioned those other teams, but he specifically said like the Eagles could be a good fit. He likes yeah, what yeah, like yeah. they do schematically. Yeah, again, that would just be a Stephen Nelson kind of signing. It'd just be a it'd be a one year band aid. What about um, safety though? Do you think he could play it? Because there was some speculation uh, last year yeah. before the I Vikings of that, but, yeah. uh, actually had him play corner that they might be signing him to play safety. Yeah, even even in that event too, he's probably just a, still a one year sure. band aid. We, we should probably mention cornerback too because I know a lot of people. <laughs> a I, I've there. gotten I've gotten the questions about you know why aren't they um, you know sort of aggressive in that market too. And I think the reason is pretty simple. So in past years, whenever the Eagles have added uh, a young cornerback in the draft, we've seen them play pretty quickly because they've had so many injuries at that position that they've had to you know, play young guys. And they just didn't have that problem last year. Steven Nelson and uh, Darius Slay and Avante Maddox, for that matter, they all stayed healthy for the most part last year and, and uh, were able to stay on the field. So we didn't see Zach McPherson get to play much. Uh, last season so we don't really know what the Eagles have in him but the other point to be made here is that they added so many corners uh, during the offseason and even into the season last year name them all ultimately so Zach McPherson Tay Gowan Uh Mac McCain uh, Andre Sachere if you want to call him a corner safety Carrie Vincent yep is that it Josiah Scott Josiah Scott damn it Okay, so <laughs> six guys and six corners that they added either during the offseason that are still on the roster that they yep. added during the, the offseason or into the season. And I think, you know, I don't think it's the it's the worst idea to get a look at those guys before, you know, you spend big money in free agency. Um, if they did want to make sure they at least have a, a solid starter to fall back on, then a guy like Patrick Peterson makes sense. But I don't know that they're going to make a move there until, you mm-hmm. know, after uh, the draft. Uh, that were or after they see what they have uh, in these guys, either in OTAs, mini camps. I don't think they'll wait until training camp necessarily to sign someone if they don't, if they aren't like encouraged by what they see from those young guys. But I think they are going to give those guys a chance to, 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 you know, show what they can do. I agree with that. And I think, again, you look at the track record of Jonathan Gannon being able to get more out of less at quarter and they should be doing that. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a position they need to spend significant resources on in addition to the ones they're already spending on Darius Slay. Uh, I think it's possible that they re-sign Steven Nelson if like they kind of wait out the market on him. And he, yeah. again, for the second year, doesn't really get what he wants. If yep. there's equal money, I'm sure he probably would just come back to Philly if he's not really getting paid elsewhere just to come back to where he's been and had some success. And maybe he thinks two years of being you know, kind of better will get him another deal next year. I don't know. Right. So uh, that's still out there. I'm not necessarily saying it's the most likely thing, but um, they have options. I wouldn't really, I don't think it's, they need to sweat about sweat it out about that position, but it is funny because there's just like a hole there. <laughs> like I, I love that Slay is recruiting anyone and everyone yes. to come to. He <laughs> is, he's an Eagles fan now. <laughs> just, <laughs> yes. Just, like when the Patrick Peterson thing came out, he, he quote tweeted, uh, Again, my apologies to whoever uh, you know put that, saw that on NFL Network and put that out. Uh, but he quote tweeted that guy, and he was like, "Hey!" Yeah. <laughs> and he's been recruiting like you know every big name in the NFL to come to Philly. So I appreciate that from Slay. 
Well, yeah, that's that's kind of goes to I always remember you like to point out how uh, this is the throwback for uh, the audience here. But back in the day when LaShawn McCoy tweeted about how O.C. Umanora was quote, <laughs> overrated and soft yes. and uh, yeah. the way you always framed him doing that in my mind sticks out. You're like LaShawn McCoy was probably just like in his house, like making like a hot pocket <laughs> and he just fired off of that tweet. And I like to think right. that gave it no thought whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. That's what like Darius Slay is kind of doing. He's just like, Hey, like, I don't know. It's just funny to think like, you know, I don't know. You think maybe professional athlete, like, like they've got a lot of things going on. They're training, whatever. They're going places. I like to think of the visual of just Darius Slay is just like chilling in his house like the rest of us. And he's <laughs> yeah. just like monitoring his phone and kind of just like tweeting at people. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. He just happened to notice something about Patrick Peterson. Went, okay. Boop, 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 done. And then it, then it never, and then it, just, it just left, yeah, his, it left right. his brain immediately yeah. thereafter. Right. <laughs> um, any final thoughts here, Jimmy, as we wrap up? Uh, hmm. No. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, I guess, to sure. uh, our Irish friends and anyone else who likes to get hammered uh, like <laughs> I did yesterday. Um, but yeah, so that and uh, eh, that's about all I got. Do you like anything? Screw you, Putin, jerk. <laughs> stop being a stop being a dick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> do you like anything about St. Patrick's Day? Uh besides like the drink like you, any food? Do you like any like any of the So uh, I went to uh the Jug Handle Inn in uh Cinnaminson yesterday. I I very much like it there. Is that the place um, with the Tony Bruno wings? It is. And wow. I got the Tony Bruno wings, um which They're good, right? Basically it's a mix of all different kinds of sauce. They throw basically every kind of whatever sauce into the sauce. And yeah, they are, they they are delicious. Uh so I highly recommend uh, the Jug Handle Inn in Cinnamon. I have a couple places to recommend, Jimmy. First, uh, it's like a both... dive bar. It's, yeah. it's 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 two floors, so they have a basement and then like the regular floor, and it's like an old school kind of like divey bar. It's awesome, and they you know the tournament of course is on, so it's you know like tons of TVs and whatever. So uh, yeah, uh, I love that St. Patrick's Day lines up with the tournament. And then also NFL free agency lines up with the tournament too. So I'm just kind of sitting around all day waiting for the Eagles to do something. And even if they don't, at least I got the tournament there to watch. <laughs> um, well, thank you for interrupting me, Jimmy. I've never interrupted <laughs> sorry, you before. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, sorry, Mrs. Gowton for interrupting your son. <laughs> uh, number one, Pizza John in Maniunk. Uh, I don't know if I've brought it up before, but it's them and Angelos for my favorite pizza in Philly. Do a really good uh, grandma style. There's sesame seed, uh, sesame seeds on the bottom, Jimmy, like the crust. Okay, uh, which is I think a unique thing and really good. Just really, really, really strong pizza. It's on my Instagram once again at Brandon Gowton. Um, if you want to see a picture, Angelo's of it. has the sesame seed or Pizza John. No, sorry, does. Pizza John does. Yeah, Angelo's, okay. but they both do a similar kind of grandma, and it's just it's so good. Or or the upside down, I think they call it at Angelo's. Square, big, really good. Robust sauce. Upside down is what? Sauce on top? I think the best pizza, Jimmy, has sauce on top. Okay. Like, in general. Right. Because I think I just think there's something about, like, the elite pizza. I'm not talking, like, you, you know, you go to your corner store place, like, kind of like a basic pizza. That's fine. It is, it's yeah. still good, but it's not, like, elite level pizza. The best of the best pizza has the sauce on top. I think in part because I think it messes with the dough. Like, if you're putting it underneath, like, it's you're not getting that same level of crispiness. And I think there's something All to right. how the direct heat kind of like cooks the sauce like directly. There's something to yeah. it anyway. Uh, sauce on top. 
Um, like that's they do that with like deep dishes, like sauce on top, Trenton style tomato pie, the sauce on top, like the scramble kind of style sauce on top, Detroit style sauce on top, the best of the best sauce on top. Anyway, they were really good. If you haven't gone to Pizza John in Maniac, give them a try because they're awesome. And then uh, I actually won a free pizza, Jimmy, from our good friends at Good Pizza. I believe they're on Instagram at Good Pizza PHL, um, or just search Good Pizza on Instagram. Uh, they're teamed up with Phil Abundance. This is actually kind of a little of a cool thing, Jimmy, uh, for you, who I'm sure doesn't know. Back during the pandemic, this college student was making pizzas out of his like apartment, and he was kind of uh-huh. like using a little pulley system or whatever to kind of deliver them to people down on the street. And he was making them for free. Like he wasn't charging anyone. He was making them for free. He, he, would, it was like a suggested donation if, and not to him, but the charity, if you want to donate yeah. to a charity, like make a donation that, you know, you can afford, you're comfortable with, I will make you the pizza. But the way he was giving them away was through like this lottery system. So you had to sign up and there would only be like 20 winners a week or whatever. And it got pretty popular. Um, so if you won, like, you, you know, you're lucky. Uh, so he was doing that for a long time. I entered every week. I didn't win. He just recently started it back up, but he's doing it like through Phil Abundance now, which is a good charity to support. Yeah. Um. So I won the drawing this week. I was really excited. Did you? I did. <laughs> and they delivered the pizza to my door and it was really good indeed. And I posted it on my Instagram and it's for a good cause. I gave them a donation. Um. So if you want to join me in entering those competitions and get your own pizza or, you know, donating to Phil Abundance, you can, you can check that out again on my Instagram or, or those Instagram accounts. Uh. So that was fun. That was a plain pizza or toppings? You can pick between plain and pepperoni. I got the pepperoni. Okay. You got the pepperoni? Yeah. I'm a okay. big pepperoni guy. Got to have the pepperoni. I'm a pepperoni guy, too. I mean, I'm what not What are your gonna... top five pizza toppings? toppings? <sighs> so pepperoni is number one. I don't dislike a plain, but it's just kind of, it can be kind of boring. Um, I like extra cheese, for sure. Okay. Uh, like jalapenos. Like a jalapeno and pepperoni can kind of be really nice. Okay. I, I don't know how many you count this as, but I like a buffalo chicken pizza. <laughs> There's like chicken and buffalo sauce and right and blue, blue ranch cheese, on, usually, yeah, yeah, or blue ranch, blue cheese. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm not really a big topping guy on pizza. I mean, I okay. like pepperoni. So and not like sausage. a supreme guy. Yeah, no, no, that's no, too no. much. Uh, meat lovers is all right uh, mm. every now and again, where you have like the pepperoni and the sausage. And uh, like ham. burger, usually they have on there ham, bacon. Um, that's a lot. That's a little too much. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. That's a very occasional kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, pepperoni and, my, and sausage are the two go tos for me. And extra cheese is all right at the right place. But right. I think that goes back to the point that you make. Uh, you, you get too much cheese going on there, mm. and it sort of messes up the crust. What uh, kind of sausage in terms of like a scrambled or like, you know, like fine, like chopped up or kind of like, you know, you get like the that's the chopped sausage, like the, you know, the breakfast links. No, they're not breakfast links, but you know, like the yeah. sliced, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't like the, uh, I like the, crumbly I like, the kind. like the, the crumbly kind for sure. Better than the, uh, than, um, you know, the big longer type of, and I like the pepperoni by the way, like that, like almost kind of curls up. Yeah. The little cuts it's cooked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those, those are, that's the best kind of pepperoni. I've come around on those. I used to not be a believer because um, I had a bad experience about like when I was younger for some reason. Um, but <laughs> oh, let's hear about that. I just like I love pizza, and I went to a place that was supposed to have really good pizza, and I had it there, and I just didn't like it. Maybe I was like sick or something. I was pretty young. <laughs> That's so, all it was. You just yeah. didn't like it. And that was your bad experience. Well, it was like I, 
I, but it's, it's weird for me though because I love pizza, and the fact that I didn't like yeah. it at that point was like really jarring. And I was like, "This pizza must not be good, <laughs> or these pepperonis must just not be good for some reason." But okay. uh, I was the fool in the end. But you've I come was, around on that. Since. Oh yeah, definitely come around on it. Um, okay. I think that does it for today's show. If you're still the- listening, by the way, thank you very much. Yeah. And tell us your favorite pizza toppings with hashtag. Yeah. Uh, hashtag top the toppings. Okay. Boom. Sure. All right. This has been BGN Radio episode 240. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton. I will continue to be Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. You can check out my work bleedinggreennation.com, as well as here on BGN Radio, which you should rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. We have some reviews that we haven't gotten to. Jimmy and I will get to those at some point here, especially with free agency kind of cooling off for a bit and then the draft being a little bit away. So we'll get to that. Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You can check out his work at phillyvoice.com. You can help support the podcast by rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff, but also checking out Right to Spell and Craft Jerky and going to rightdisfellum.com to buy some snacks for yourself using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You can go to wildnaturepet.com to get 15% off dog treats. You can use the same discount code BGN15. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can go to roachrealtors.com or call or text the following phone number from Jimmy. 856-906-9295. So go do that or you are a coward. Jimmy, yes. we will be back next week, hopefully with some more Eagles free agency news to talk about. Uh, I, I would think so. I think they will do something by the time they, they record next time. They got to. All right, but we'll see. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. B-G-N.